You're listening to Thunder Quack Podcast Network. You're listening to the Pull Box Podcast. The International Graphic Novel Book Club. Here are your hosts, Curtis Finley and Michael Cohen. Hello and welcome back to the Pullbox Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Michael Cohen. And I'm your other host, Curtis Finley. This is our 39th episode uh, in which we are going to be talking about the book Wild's End, uh, Volume 1. Uh, or, or I guess maybe just it is, just Wild's yeah. End, right? It's just its own. It's a mini series, but it, it sure lends uh, itself to be yeah, ongoing. Yeah. Uh, created by Dan Abnett uh, and Inj Colbert. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, written by Dan Abnett and, and Inj Colbert being the uh, illustrator and and letterer, which oh, yeah. is uh, which that's that's uh, most of the, most of the time these days, the lettering is done by somebody else. But uh, but well, this is a these, boom book, so yeah. In these um kind of um what do you call them factory made <clears throat> yeah comics, they they have different letters. But I I think it it makes sense for the letter letter to be the artist as well. Yeah. Um, because yeah. they can lay out their do page layouts, the, yeah. the best. Yeah. So uh, so Wild's End is a um. I would I would put it in late late Victorian, right? It's probably like the early or late teens, maybe. Yeah, late very late Victorian because yeah. like they, there are automobiles, but they are of the teens, the nineteen hundreds era. Yeah, where they don't have yeah. windows and yeah, cranks um, to start them. Yeah, maybe I guess I guess maybe just post World War One, but they, they have, kind of imply the war. But uh, it, it's a. Uh, but it's not a world inhabited by humans. It's a world inhabited by um, anthropomorphic animals. Yeah. But not your not your Disney anthropomorphic animals. Uh, uh, these are a little bit more. Um, I don't know. There's just a sort a weird sort of maturity to the uh, these anthropomorphic animals, and they they live in a very. It's very British. Very uh, British. Uh, yeah. And uh, their their world is is very much steeped in that and uh, and their characters are so there's a uh, I don't know like a stiff upper upper lip sort yeah, of attitude. if you need a comparison I would compare it to um, the Beatrix Potter books like Peter Rabbit okay because yeah, all of yeah. those ones because those books were written in this era yeah and they are all anthropomorphic animals that dress in clothes and stuff like yeah. that so and those are British books too so if you want to compare it I found a lot of similarities actually to to uh, the Peter Rabbit books cool yeah, and then uh, and then the twist, as if that weren't enough to make it an interesting book, which I think actually it probably would have. It's yep. just an interesting slice of life until you find out that there are weird Jules Verne esque, very uh, Verne. steampunk. Oh, it's H- actually H. G. Wells. Like H. G. Wells. Yeah, this yeah. is a, a very that's true. Yeah, aliens. yeah, it's very it's very War of the Worlds. Yeah, yeah. aliens that that um, that are invading this sleepy little. Uh, uh, British countryside, countryside town. town. Yeah, <laughs> um, I we have several several protagonists in the book. It's a bit of an ensemble story, but we're kind of introduced to our main protagonist, Clive uh, Clive Slipaway, who is a, uh, a, a 
I don't know. I guess he's like a bulldog. Um, I think he's like a bloodhound. Or like a blood, yeah, yeah, like a, yeah, like a hound. Um, now, I don't know about you, but the way that this was written, the characters' voices are very distinct. Yeah. And I started attributing actual, like, specific accents to them. Okay. And in some instances, specific actors. (laughs) Okay. So I cast, um, um, oh my god, and now his name just fell out of my head. Um, oh my goodness. And he's one of my favorite actors right now. I uh, Heimdall from from my uh, Thor. Idris Elba. Idris Elba, yeah. Um, now Clive, Clive, his voice in my head was Idris Elba. Okay, yeah. Um, and I think that if you were going to animate this, which uh, I think somebody should, yeah. And uh, and you know what? Since uh, since since I I have such a great track record for the, this sort of thing, I'm going to go ahead and say right now that if somebody <laughs> hasn't already optioned this, it's going to be optioned. Soon. I mean, this is a fairly recent comic, right? Um, oh yeah, just a couple 2014. Years ago. Yeah. Yep. So uh, I I think that this would make an incredible. Um, I wouldn't do it like as actual stop motion, but you know how like the the Peanuts cartoon that just came out was yep. sort of like that cool half step, but actually right. it was sort of it was one third classic animation, one third stop motion, one third CG, right? Yeah, yeah. And I would take that sort of attitude and apply it to this. Give it a little bit of that Wallace and Gromit feel, but let the sci-fi stuff really... Now, did you ever watch when you were a kid um, <clears throat> the old Wind in the Willows stop motion cartoon? Yes. This, I, I see that kind of like this. Yeah, Again, yeah, it's for the, sure. It's the same era. For sure. And that's probably where I'm getting that yeah, from, right? Is that and Wallace and Gromit, right? Yeah. Or like I want to sort of attribute that stuff to it, but like the bold colors, the the shapes and everything of the art. Which I'm just gonna say it right at the beginning. Usually we talk about the story and then we get into the art. Yeah. The art in this book is astounding. Yeah. It's flawless. Like you can't at any point. It's not like there's no point where you're like, oh, some of the characters are can't, like you get confused who's who. Well, they're all animals and they're different animals. So that that's makes impossible. it really easy. Yeah. But but. The 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 character models are on point from start to finish. Yeah. Um, which in in a in a cartoony, um, very simple style like this, I think is really important. Totally. Um, the the performances of the characters are all really solid. Um, I just think it's a it just it's a beautifully drawn book from yeah, beginning to end. In its simplicity as well, like yep. it's very simple. Uh, yep. The characters. Even though they're all animals, they don't go over detail in fur or anything like that. Yeah. And but the the artist, and I don't even know if it's a man or a woman. Nope. Based on the the initials. Yeah, I um, and J. <laughs> um, he just knows his staging and yeah. his uh, his storytelling and the expressions and body language in these characters are just great. Um, I and the coloring is really good too. It's, yeah. It's it then that makes it seem a little bit more like an animated movie as well and it's very kind of cell shading yeah um bold uh, bold colors and such yeah, yeah but it definitely it fits the tone of the writing which is which uh, we've kind of already talked about has this very um sort of british uh, i feel to it um yeah <clears throat> because it is it's a british story i but yeah i it basically centers around as we talked about clive um, he's new to town and, uh, and sort of, uh, learning to fit in and in the midst of it ends up in the middle of a, of, of a, of a very small but impactful alien invasion Yes, from these little steampunk octopus 
aliens. Yeah, um, I, I just love that they have a, a lamp yeah. on the top of their head to fit the era that they're in. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, and because they do, they all look very uh, uh, Victorian, um, sort of gaslight uh, yeah. lamps. Um, yeah, and it, it, but but they're very anachronistic at the same time. Right. Right. Because just sort of the way that the movement is implied and, and obviously the power that yeah. comes with them. It's a very modern interpretation of a story like this. Yeah. Um, but it does have a lot of that War of the Worlds um, sort of uh, uh, feeling to it of uh, uh, helplessness, I think, in, in, in the face of, right. of an extraterrestrial it's, thing. It's basically a chase movie. <clears throat> Yeah. Um, and that's like your typical alien invasion movie where all the characters are just running away the whole time. That's what this is. And yeah. every every chapter of the story is uh, yeah. them finding refuge and then having to leave the refuge. Yeah, and, you know, I, I, I modern stuff that I would compare it to would be um, the the Edgar Wright movies, Shaun of the Dead, and, uh, and um, oh, what's the, not, Hot Fuzz is the middle one, what's the last one? The world's end. The world's end. Yeah, yeah. Um, especially wild's the world's end. end. <laughs> maybe uh, that's what it, where it comes. Maybe from. it is. Um, but yeah, it, there, there are there are similarities there. Yeah. Um, sort of in that in that ensemble cast idea, yep. and uh, it's a it's a chase sort of escape movie. Right. Um, and there's also um, if you know the um, the Chicken Little Disney movie. Yes. There's a lot of similarities to that as well, which yes. um, a lot of people gave that movie a, a pen, but I actually really liked it. And I loved I, I, yeah, the I, twist I, I, of it, of that classic story being an alien invasion yeah. movie. Yeah. And so there's a lot of, and because that one is animals as well, yeah. anthropomorphic animals there, I can see that. Uh, the other thing I really, really like about this one is, is that it's a period piece. Yeah. Um, because we always get alien invasion movies set in present day. Yeah. Um, but I love seeing, well, what if aliens attacked when you didn't have all this technology at your disposal yeah. or nuclear missiles yeah, or, yeah, yeah. um, and so cowboy and aliens, even though that was kind of a terrible movie, <laughs> I liked that concept. What yeah. a good, like in the wild west. Yeah. Let's see what happens there. Yeah, for sure. So that's what I liked about this one too. Yeah, for sure. Um, the, yeah. The funny, it, it's funny that they chose to make these animals mm-hmm. because there's no reason for them to be animals. They don't do animal things. No, they they are completely people. So why not make it people? Yeah. Why are why are they animals? Yeah, it, it, I mean, now that you bring it up, it, it is, it is it's an interesting choice. Um, they don't they, even do animal things relating to their their animal persona. I mean, I guess the fox is kind of a sneaky character, not trusted, but that's yeah. about as far as it goes. Yeah. Um, well, the dog's a bloodhound, so he and he's a, he's a soldier, and yeah, the the rabbit and the minx are kind of, um, I don't know. Yeah, I, I the, the 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 pig is just concerned with pies and cakes. And okay, so it comes. Up there's a little. A little bit, there's a little bit of of characterization from that, and maybe that's just to help with um, yeah. establishing these characters because we know the archetypes of animal yeah. characters or something. Yeah. But, but yeah, there is no reason I think, really for I think, the animals. Yeah, I think where where it where it defies that genre, like that sort of uh, trope, I guess, is is in the fact that the characters are actually much more fleshed out than that. Right. Right. So as compared to something like 
let's say, Zootopia, uh, <laughs> which is anthropomorphic animals. And Zootopia is great. Uh, have you seen it yet? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yep. Um, it's fantastic. It's a great movie. Um, those characters are very based off of that, off of those character like animal characteristics which is a point of the movie exactly that's a plot point yeah but you know what you know what i would i would also compare this to is um is robin hood where like the fact that robin hood is a fox isn't that important and that that little john is a bear is not that important right um it plays into some parts of those characters aspects but but those are existing pre-existing characters so the animal is sort of placed on top of it, and in places it's sort of undermined in the sense yeah, that yeah. the uh, Prince John is a lion, but he's not very lion-hearted, right? Right. Um, uh, he's kind of a wuss. Uh, but yeah, so I, I think it's, it's very similar to that as well, in the sense that the characters are complex, and so the where those small parts of the fact that they are animals are brought in... Um, it's only one aspect of their character. So Fox being uh, mischievous and a bit of a, a layabout and yeah. all that sort of thing and a scavenger. Um, it's it's only one aspect of his character. Because then the other aspect of his character is that, uh, you know, you've got a bit of a Fox and the Hound thing going on. And I just realized oh, yeah. that between these two characters. Um, there's a... There, because a fox is almost a dog, you know what I mean. Like it's it, like yeah. it's a canine, and it's 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 obviously not a wolf, and it's not a dog, but right. it's kind of somewhere in between, and almost a little bit of a cat. Yeah. Um, there's a there's a similarity, but then a very stark difference, and I think that it's in some of those places that they bring out that aspect of of the animalistic sides, and that in that Clive and Fox, they. They, they're not going to get along, but really at the end of the day, one of the reasons why they're not going to get along is because they actually have a lot of things in common. They have a lot of the same characteristics, but their ideologies are different, right? right. Yeah. <clears throat> and by the end of the book, um, the two characters, I think, end up... like Because they start off in conflict in the first issue yep. very quickly, um, but by the end of it, they, they're kind of... Um, because they're forced into this situation together, they end up being kind of a good duo because they they have the same goal, they have the same uh, ends, but they're but they, they come at it from such a yeah, different way. Yeah, the the yeah. means to their ends are very different. Um, and I think it's sort of in, exemplified in the issue when they when the rest of the crew hooks back up with Fox because you see him in the first issue, and then he's sort of. He he encounters the aliens first, yeah, and then is sent away because nobody believes him, right? Um, and and then you end up encountering him later, and when you do, we've come to the realization that these aliens are a real threat, yeah. Um, and and there's that great moment where everybody's trying to escape from the aliens, and they and then Fox and Clive sort of have this this moment of solidarity where they stand at the edge of the field yeah, yeah. and Clive realizes that Fox is crafty and that he's used them as bait in order to <laughs> in order to to basically to lure yeah lure them into a kill box, right? And so the two of them stand there and then just unload on this on this little alien. Yeah, and they have a moment. And they have a moment of sort of like like, you know, 
a begrudging respect yeah. for one another. Um, and that allows them to then go throughout the rest of the story and, uh, and, and, uh, save the day by the end of it. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Man, I, I loved this book. This, this, this was a great book. It was, it was suggested by Courtney and, um, and I'm so glad that she suggested it because it is, it's very different from a lot of, um, what's out there in, in terms of the, the, your average comic book story these days, it, it, that period aspect of it, um, the the fact that it's anthropomorphic yeah. animals, but that it's not played for kids. Oh no, right? they don't hold back their punches either. No. There's like the the deaths in there yeah. are are you know they're graphic, um, and yeah. uh, you know I was actually really surprised that uh, that um, the rabbit was his name Gilbert Gilbert Arendt that he died like right away. Spoiler alert for everybody, but like, yeah, I, I thought that he was going to be a main. He dies in character. like the second or third yeah. issue, right? Like, yeah. I thought he was going to be there the yeah. whole way through, especially since he's featured on the cover of the first issue. Yeah, so I think that's uh, probably a little. They they did that. Did they uh, did that on purpose to throw you yeah, off for sure? For but sure, it's, yeah. It's his little buddy Peter Minx that uh, that survives instead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Thank you. And we didn't even talk about the uh, the cat character, which I think is an interesting character as well. Yeah. Um, the only female uh, character in the cast, which doesn't really matter because they're animals, I guess. Yeah. But um, but to have her her being kind of the the pessimistic. Yeah. Side. Yeah, and she, and and a really interesting character because she's a she's an agoraphobe and yeah. doesn't like crowd like doesn't like people and um, she writes science fiction stories yeah <laughs> so now yeah. She, her life is being played out yeah um but i don't like the the interesting thing is that even though she is a cat and clive is a dog there's a little bit there's a there is a sexual tension between oh, the sure. two of them right yeah. um it, it's it it is it's really fascinating and i think the core of that is that it's just really well written yeah it's it's just one of those things that like the craft of the writing is so strong that even though you're in this odd world with some very weird rules, um, one aspect being uh, when when um, what's the pig guy's look uh, Alf, Alf uh, when his aunt is killed by way of flame projector, <laughs> oh, man. right? Yeah. Um, one of the characters refers to, and they say, what's that awful smell? And one of them says, uh, that will be crackling, which crackling is fried pigskin. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, it's interesting to me because like they're anthropomorphic an- animals and yet but they, they know the terminology for their own flesh being cooked. <laughs> yeah. So, um, well, I don't know what, what the rest of this world is like and, you know, um, uh, there's a there is a certain tension between the predator and prey species. Yeah, that that is interesting. It's actually something that's also present in the movie Zootopia, um, which right. which which uh, I think you know, fifteen twenty years ago, you wouldn't have seen in a Disney movie because that's kind of uh, you're kind of playing with some some themes that uh, that people would shy away from talking to their kids about until they're a little bit older. Right. Like, you know, pork is pig. Uh, and that that cute little piggy is also a pork chop. Uh, and that bacon that you love was once a squeaky little pig, right? Right. Um, 
But, uh, but yeah, Zootopia doesn't shy away from those concepts. No. Um, and this book doesn't shy away from those concepts either, even though we're supposed to be relating to some of these characters. In fact, I think that one of the reasons why that line is in there is that it's supposed to be horrific. Right. Um, <laughs> it's, it's supposed to make you cringe in that moment. Uh, and that's a, that's a nasty trick to play. Is to is to sort of force you into that scenario of yeah. like you know, um, um, wait, do these characters have they, do they eat <laughs> each other as well? Is that is that not unheard of in this world? Like, um, but yeah, I guess uh, we'll find out if uh, there's a second volume. Yeah, yeah, I would lo- I would love for them to continue the story. Um, yeah. I would love for them to go somewhere else to a different to a different area with new characters. Oh yeah. And we're just starting to find out about these ones, like the mysterious past that that um, Susan the cat keeps talking about with her with her ex husband, yeah, and even even um, uh, um, Clive, yeah, Clive with his past is in the navy. Like they don't talk about. he's not talking about that. Well, yeah, he's very he's very um, he's very guarded about about his past and whatever atrocities he's seen. Um, Yeah. Yeah, it, it it's so difficult. It's difficult to talk about it because it's difficult to put your finger on what exactly it is that makes this great, other than the fact that it's just really good. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. like there, other than just sort of doing a play by play of the story, there's just a quality to it. It's just it's an ineffable quality to the writing that is just it's got such depth and it's so intriguing. That each one of the characters, even the ones that you don't really like, I mean, like I never really liked the the rabbit uh, Gilbert, uh, but you weren't supposed to, right? I don't think so. Yeah, yeah like he was I, just kind of uppity and yeah, yeah, like like you get the idea that like he's that 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 the this little town is full of gossip and uh, it's it's you know even its leadership. As much as they want to present themselves as proper and and well mannered, uh, they're possibly the worst. Yeah. Right. Because they kind of they the in the in his introduction to Clive, you get this moment of like, oh, we're you know we're the welcoming party. We'd like to invite you to uh, to our 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 town meeting. We're just on our way there. Yeah. And then as soon as they expect that they're out of earshot, they start talking about him behind his back. Right. Yeah. Um. And and there's sort of a, a an interesting aspect to his to the characters in that. But like this is the depth and compl- complexity that I'm talking about. Right? right. It's it's not. It's not played for a laugh. It's not. It's not satirical. It's very grounded and real. Even though it is. There is some humor in it, right? Yeah. Oh, for sure. Um, but but it is it's almost laugh. You kind of have to laugh in spite of it, right? <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah, it, it's it, there's just so many qualities to the book that I that that come together to make it just I I think a real standout. I'm sure if we looked it up, it's probably won some awards. Um, Hopefully, I'd have, to, I'd have to imagine. I'll give it but, some uh, awards. Sure. We'll give it the Pullbox Award of Excellence. <laughs> there you go. Uh, you can go ahead and put that on the trade paperback, <laughs> the the latest printing. Yeah. Um, okay. Um, before we move on, sure. so the very end of this book, they finally destroy this one lamp. Yeah. Um, the big one. The big one that they've been trying to 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 destroy. Yeah. And then they go back to their village, like 
everything's over. And then the very last page, we see that there is a massive, three ba massive ships or orbiting the Earth. Yeah, like, like space station type yeah, ships. like waiting to happen. Yeah. So there's a lot of um, extra content in the back of each of the chapters. Yeah. Um, like uh, maps uh, and stuff. <laughs> Full disclosure. I skip stuff like that. Right. I always skip stuff so like that. I usually do too. But the the at, right after at the very end of the story, yeah. there is a confidential record from the Ministry of Defense of okay. this animal world that we live in. Yeah. Um, and it says that it's um it's a transcript, handwritten notes found in the pocketbook of local resident Peter Minks. Okay. Um, so because we see him recording the details of all this because yeah. he's a journalist. Um. They found this in his pocket, which leads me to believe that he died. The implication so being the died, a, yeah. the aliens are attacking yeah. Earth, and everything's going on. And there's a bunch of stuff in here. Um, there's a huge government conspiracy because this last this confidential record has blacked out lines all through it. Yeah, lots of redacted information. Uh, yeah, and they're they're trying to pass the uh, the aliens off as weather balloons that exploded and that yeah. kind of thing. So th there is definitely more to this story and I want to see what happens next. Yeah, yeah, I would love to I would love to get another so but that's where I say like jumping into another area to a different part of of uh, the UK. Yeah. And and having it be about different characters. Um would be interesting to me. Right. Um, and I think if anybody was going to make it into the next story, it would be Clive. Uh, and I think that you could almost introduce him at the end of the first issue of the second volume. Yeah. Sort yeah. of like introduce you to a whole new cast of characters. The war with these aliens has begun, yeah. um, whether in full or in secret. And now here comes the guy that's yeah, experienced. Yeah. Uh, and then, yeah. and then here's, here's Clive. Really um, yeah. But I, uh, but, uh, man, I mean, hopefully everybody who's listening to the podcast has already read it. But I, when people ask me for something to read, this will be one of those books that's on the list. Yes. This is something that's going to get recommended on a yeah. regular Yeah, well, basis. it's been re recommended to me by more than one person as yeah. well. So that, that says something for sure. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Good. Cool. Well, let's, uh, let's talk briefly about what we're reading next month. Um, I, I've, cho I've chosen a book called Ikigami Manga this time um, about a... Uh, uh, a company or a, a, a future version of the world where yeah. everybody's implanted with a chip that will that is lethal if they if they activate it. So, um, an ikigami is um, a, a death notice, basically that you have twenty four hours to live. So this book talks about how um, how people react to that news. Yeah. Cool, cool. Uh, my poll for next month will be uh, the uh, the instant classic, as I called it. On last month's uh, last week's episode, uh, All Star Superman by uh, Grant Morrison and Frank Quitely, uh, one of the definitive Superman books of all time. So uh, I'm looking forward to jumping back in, rereading it, um, maybe even watching the uh, is it the, the animated movie, the newest Superman classic. I guess there's been something since hmm. All Star Superman that you could say this is a definitive Superman as well. Uh, I think that that you could almost make the argument for uh, Superman Earth One, um, which is I think is it Straczynski? I think it might be Straczynski, um, which is sort of a, a, a bit of an Elseworlds, um, kind of like DC's version of of the Ultimate Universe, um, but. 
I would have said that if the New 52 hadn't happened because a lot of what was in Earth 1 ended up being adapted into New 52. Right. And uh, and, and sort of being brought into that character's official uh, backstory, for better or worse. <laughs> um, but I, I Earth 1 being, being something of a... Um, modern reimagining but the thing about all-star superman is that it is timeless right yeah it is very much outside a lot like darwin cook's work like like superman yep. for all seasons it's and, just kind of an elseworlds yeah title. um i believe kryptonite which is darwin cook um is before all-star superman so um so yeah i think all-star superman might, might be the most recent sort of definitive Superman book. Good. For sure. Yeah. I haven't read it yet, so I'm looking forward oh, to, cool. uh, to, That's to diving into it. Yeah. That's exciting. I mean, I've read the first... I collected the first... Uh, when it first came out, I have the yep. first, like, six... Five or six issues, I think. Okay. But I haven't finished reading okay. it, is what I mean. Cool. Yeah. Good. And then our reader poll is uh, Chew, Volume 1, uh, which uh, I haven't read and you have read. What? Yep. Just briefly, what is... What is that about? I don't even know. Okay, so Chu is about a detective who uh, is able to um, solve crimes by uh, eating things. He has... Uh, sounds like iZombie. Uh, a little bit, a little bit. But he has a psychic link where like, he, when he eats things... He is able to oh. psychically. Yeah, they have a there, word for it in the book. There is an actual phrase for that because that was a method back like hundreds of years ago. People fortune telling by eating organs. Okay. Of animals. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah. So basically, I, 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 this one character is able to do this. One, if that weren't the twist enough, I, the other twist is that this is a world where chicken has been outlawed okay <laughs> so i uh, chicken no longer exists um i think because of like a like an outbreak like a bird flu type outbreak um it's a chicken has been outlawed uh and it's very hard to come by but there are black market chicken dealers and that sort of thing um and uh, and there are chicken substitutes and that sort of thing. it's it's a very weird book but um it's also kind of awesome. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I really enjoy Chew, so it's uh, it's definitely worth it's definitely worth checking out. So we're going to be reading that next month. Cool. Cool. Yeah, good. And um, if you tune in next time, we'll be talking about Archie. Archie, all new Archie. So, yeah, yeah. Cool. Awesome. Uh, well, thank you guys for listening, and we will catch you on the next episode. Keep reading comics. For more Pullbox Podcast episodes, you can check out pullboxpodcast.com to submit a reader poll. Uh, you can email thepullboxpodcast at gmail.com. You can also find us at Twitter and on Instagram at pullboxpodcast. And you can follow me, Curtis, on Instagram at Curtis Bidley. And you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at arkwolf, A-R-K-W-U-L-F. You can, you can also find all of our other great podcasts over at thunderquack.com, and uh, that's the home of the Thunderquack Podcast Network, of which we are proudly a part. And, uh, and if you want to help support all of our podcasts at Thunderquack, you can do that by heading to patreon.com slash thunderquack, and, uh, and, and you, can, you can pledge your support over there. Every dollar helps, but uh, if you're a Pullbox fan and supporter, then you'd definitely be interested in the 
$20 level, which allows you to get all three episodes of the Pull Box Podcast, all three of our books, as one super long episode uh, right at the beginning of the month, as opposed to having to wait for the individual episodes to be released. So you can find all that at patreon.com slash thunderquack and all of our other podcasts at thunderquack.com. 